The Street Fighter movie comes from a simpler time, when all of our video games were 2D and all of life's problems could be solved with a couple of spin kicks. So let's check out one of the earlier video game adaptations. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut, I am Peter and joining me as always is David. Quick! Change the channel! The funniest line in the movie. So, I loved it. So wise choice. This is a movie podcast. We are on to our video game adaptation season. Of course, this is tying into the yep. new Super Mario Brothers animated movie, which we're going to do as part of it. But mm -hmm. this was a, a vote for a theme on Patreon. They picked video game movies, and we are kicking off with Street Fighter, the movie from 1994, uh, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raul Julia and numerous others, which we'll get to. But they're the only two credited on the poster out of what I would consider to be an ensemble cast, but they are definitely the most notable names. They're the, well, the biggest names, you know, Raul Julia, sadly, of course, passed away, uh, I think, before this movie even came out. There's a dedication mm -hmm. at the end. So I assume that, you yeah. know, that was. Uh, so it's kind of sad because he was great in the Adams Family movies. He is, mm -hmm. despite what you, you might say about the rest of this movie, he's kind of great in this as well. Yeah. And, you know, so it's obviously he went before his time, and that's really sad. But Van Damme, of course, big action star, was really known at mm -hmm. the time period. It was kind of the height of his uh, success. Um, um, I, I was excited to see Ming Na Wen as Chun Li, because I love okay. Agents of Shield. So it's kind of oh, cool to see her in like a really. It took me like a, a couple of minutes because I'm like, she looks familiar. And I'm just. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I was looking through the cast on this. The one that got me was um, Wes Studi. Who played Sagat? Mm -hmm. He just seemed. I couldn't find what I knew him from, but he seemed like a really familiar actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, he's got one of those faces. He's not. He's not normally bald, so it's it, it maybe mm. throws you off a little bit. Uh, but he's in Mystery Men. He's the Sphinx in that, which I, I can yep. remember. He was in Deep Rising, which me and Tara did on Ace not too long okay. ago. Uh, he's one of those guys that pops up in a lot of small roles, usually villains. But yeah, he uh, played it very well. He's, he's 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 been around in a lot of things. Uh, stunt casting: we have Kelly Minogue as Cami. Mm -hmm. uh, um, as far as names go, that's probably the the last of the the ones that I really know. The guy that plays Ryu, I definitely have seen in a few things, but other than well, that, his, his IMDb profile picture is his role in uh, The Big Short, where he just played a random Wall Street investor. Mm -hmm. So. I recognized him from that, but I couldn't tell you where I saw him elsewhere. Yeah, he's just been in a few things here or there. It's just yeah. one of those guys again. Uh, so we're, we're kind of skipping ahead here a little bit though by talking about the casting. Yes. Because, because we should probably set up where we are on Street Fighter as a franchise and just their general kind of familiarity with it, uh, which mm -hmm. is to say, I think, for both of us, not that familiar. Obviously, we both know what Street Fighter is, mm -hmm. um, but I was I've never been a fighting game guy. And of the fighting games, the one that I dipped my toes into just the tiniest amount was Mortal Kombat. Street Fighter was very well respected. It was very popular. I mm -hmm. never really got into it. I know what some of the characters look like from pop culture, but that's yeah. about it. Uh, same on my end. Uh, instead of Mortal Kombat, I was Super Smash Brothers. So okay. I, I'm a casual like that. 
And um, uh, yeah, same thing where, I mean, Ryu and Ken both make appearances in Smash Bros. And that's about the most familiarity I have with them, besides just general cu cultural osmosis of picking things up without knowing how I know them. Yeah, which is not to say that I, uh, you know, this was, this was not my first time seeing this. I saw this a long time ago uh, when yeah. I was younger and probably knew even less about Street Fighter and didn't know <laughs> anything that was, was right or wrong about the adaptation. And even watching it this time, I don't really know what's right or wrong. Like, I, I don't know if the plot in this is like even remotely like inspired by anything in the games. Yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing, is that it's a fighting game. So the plot is kind of whatever you need it to be, right? Like, yeah. clearly M. Bison is the bad guy, but beyond that, Anybody could be the good guy or the bad guy in any given fight. Well, it's fight. something that's changed over time. Like, video games, like, the, the modern Street Fighters that are coming out and the modern Mortal Kombats have oh, yeah. a lot of big cutscenes. They have a lot of story in their new games, mm -hmm. but maybe not as much. Like, I think in the old games, uh, certainly, like, Mortal Kombat, I think when you beat the, the arcade mode with any of the characters, you got, like, a text screen at the end sort of telling you that character's story, and that's that's right. what the extent of the story was in the game. So, so from from my research on this, the plot of the game is that it's just your general going around fighting people, and then there are four bosses, which are Balrog, Sagat, Vega, and M Bison, and you beat them, and then you just beat the arcade mode. Okay, that's that's pretty much the game. And interestingly, it's specifically Street Fighter Two that the movie mm -hmm. says it's based on. Which, to be fair, even just in pop culture. Street Fighter 2 feels like it's the start of the franchise, even though it clearly isn't. Oh, there yeah. was clearly a Street Fighter first, but no one talks about the first Street Fighter. It's all about Street Fighter 2. 3 gets brought up occasionally, but I don't, 4 was kind of a big deal when it came out. 5 was a big deal. 6 is coming out this year. Uh, well, but 2 is the one. 2 is the one that Street everyone refers back that's to. because street fighter 2 i mean i did my research on this trying to understand what was going into the movie street fighter 2 was the first fighting game that allowed you to pick multiple characters and every character mm. had like a different fighting set so honestly and it was the first game to introduce things like grabs and throws and stuff like that it is basically what every other fighting game nowadays draws their roots from so i i get its massive importance and why just looking at the roster for street fighter one you could play as ken or ryu and that's it and i'm sure they were absolutely identical in probably moveset. yeah so interesting yeah it's just it's an interesting thing and it is interesting mm -hmm. to think that this movie and a few others that came out around this time mortal kombat was a couple of years later I think double dragon was kind of around this time oh yeah uh it's just kind of funny like how nowadays you know we're, we're so used to video games being this big thing and they've been trying for decades to do video game adaptations <laughs> it's kind of wild like how quickly relatively speaking this existed versus the because the game came out in what like 90, 91 something like that 92? around about there yeah. yeah but i don't think it's that crazy because this is just what hollywood does they're like oh this thing is big right now kick it out the door you have as much money as you need but like not that much yeah yeah <laughs> very good point but no, like, I agree. Like, I expect it of Hollywood, but it's also kind of crazy just how quickly the machine kind of works as far as, like, mm. it takes decades sometimes to get a proper adaptation of something and actually treat it with respect. But they'll yeah. kick out something like this as quickly as humanly possible, and it'll just exist as a, as a product, as a marketing thing. Um, I, mean, I, I honestly I, I, think it's... Are you familiar honestly... with the fact that they released a game for this called Street Fighter, the movie, the game? I saw that. And I had no idea what to make of it. I feel like it must <laughs> just be Street Fighter again, right? Like, 
what else could it be? It's a, well, it's a fighting game with the characters from the, yeah. the movie looking like the movie. I, is it just a palette swap where instead of I don't think so. I think I think it was like a game that was made. Okay, uh, fair enough. From, from what I've seen, from people streaming it or playing it, you know, because I, mm. I don't really play fighting games, so it's not my area of yeah, expertise. But yeah, so kind of wild. Um, I will say, you know, having grown up a bit more on the Mortal Kombat movie versus mm. this one, which is not a good movie, and we're not doing it this this season. I'm sure there'll be future video game adaptation seasons. In fact, Mortal Kombat's got three movies now, so yep. that'll just probably be its own theme at some point. But, <laughs> but I think Mortal Kombat does the really obvious thing, which is it's a tournament, right? Yeah. That's the obvious thing to do with a fighting game adaptation. And that mm. kind of takes its inspirations from more than anything. Um, Enter the Dragon, I would say, is kind of the the inspiration for yeah. that. Whereas this actually, to credit it, and I'm not going to credit too much of it, but to credit <laughs> it, there is they tried to do something here with Bison being this like dictator who's trying to take over countries and stuff, and mm. uh, like the, it's all about trying to get take him down because he's an awful bastard, and like there is at least stuff going on. I think to just to give my general feelings in the movie. Um, I think it's kind of entertaining as a sort of bad movie, you know, Van Damme's cracking, like, dodgy one-liners. Uh, oh my god, it's like every time he's on screen. Uh, Raul Julia is genuinely entertaining as Bison, but mm-hmm. it has this weird thing where, you know, there's a lot of movies that feel like they never kick up any high gear, and you have, like, what feels like just yes. act one that goes on for ages, and then it feels like everything's rushed at the end. This is, mm. like, the polar opposite of that, where I feel like Act 3 started, like, 30 minutes into the movie, and it just stayed there for an hour. Immediately, my mind went to the first Star Wars movie, where they, you know, Act 3 starts when they're they're all sitting there, and they're mapping out the plans for the Death Star, and they're like, all right, here we go, we're launching our attack. This movie does that, like... 40 minutes in (laughs) out of an hour and 40 minutes where they're like, all right, everybody, here's the plans. We're going to launch the attack. Let's go. And then the attack just lasts for the entire rest of the movie. It just is the longest third act in human history. It feels really simple in some ways because of that, but it also feels really complex and that there's so many goddamn characters that Mm. it doesn't feel simple. So it has kind of the worst of both worlds in that respect, I guess. But yeah. Um, I do want to point out, I just looked up the plot to Street Fighter 2. The leader of the Shadowloo organization, M. Bison, sets up a world fighting tournament in order to select (laughs) the best fighters for his organization to be brainwashed. So so this actually uh, ignored the game when it decided to do all this plot. Yep. Uh, Is that honestly more interesting than just in a tournament? So I'm Mm -hmm. kind of pleased that they did. Um, Yeah, so... Um, well, what did you think of it? So, I mean, the first thing that I saw in this entire thing is the IMDb rating, which is a four <laughs> out of ten. And it immediately struck me with terror. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. It doesn't even it doesn't even have the fans behind it or anything like that, pushing it up that little extra bit. But then when I got into the movie, I found it just so. Innocent. I guess is the best word. I found it. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that, because I was, I was, I'm not a fan of Street Fighter. I'm on the wiki as each character is introduced. Every time they said a name, I was like, I'm willing to bet that's a character because they're specifically mentioning the name. And every single time I was right. Almost awkwardly so in some cases where, Mm -hmm. like, I recognized some of them and then there was some that I didn't know very well. But the way they said, hey, Balrog, I'm like, oh, well, that's a character from the game because they keep saying his name. Exactly. It's like, (laughs) oh, who else here is named Balrog? Show of hands? No one? Okay. Um, 
but no, the one that the one that got me was the introducing of Blanca because they mm. specifically have Guile on screen being like, "We're coming to save you, Charlie," and then he walks over to the guy who reacts, looks at his dog tags, and he's like, "Ah, Carlos Blanca, Charlie." I'm like, "How in the hell are you getting Charlie from Carlos?" That doesn't work at all. And it turns out that was just an amalgamation that the filmmakers did. They combined two characters together. Mm, that's just but, uh, but that was the one time I was like, I I know what I knew what Blanca is beforehand. And I, I knew what it was going to turn into. But I was like, OK, movie, you do what you got to do to get there. But I digress. The the movie itself, I, I never felt like it was doing anything that was offensive to fans of the game you know it felt like they were earnestly trying to throw in all the tiny little references by the end of the movie no real spoilers but everybody gets into their costumes yeah most, from the game. most of them don't start off like bison is the only one who's kind of in his costume the entire time because he's this dictator mm-hmm. and they even play it for a joke where even when he's got his like dressing gun on he has like an alternate hat that he wears yeah uh, exactly but yeah everyone else kind of like ends up in their outfit with the exception of maybe because i was looking up the characters and how they look uh before mm-hmm. uh cammy's the one who's just kind of dressed like gail because she's just on the same squad okay but here's the thing <laughs> knowing cammy's outfit do you really think they could have done that i mean probably not but you know chun Li, they eventually got in kind of a chun Li looking outfit yeah with the hair they you know? did uh, um but yeah, no, what, so just to wrap up my thoughts, it is a, I think that the filmmakers genuinely did try to do all the like winks and nods and like, hey, look, we are working for the fans here. We are genuinely trying to show off all this stuff. But I think what it got caught up in is the fact that there are like 16 characters mm. and they tried so hard to give everyone their moment because you never know which character is going to be a fan's favorite. You never know, hey, maybe this guy really likes T-Hawk, and they want to give that moment to T-Hawk, and it just gets a bit lost in the shuffle. There are two things that stick out to me that fans are probably upset about, right? One is Gale's hair, right? They didn't do Gale's hair, because he's got really notable hair in the game, this (laughs) weird flat top thing that he's got going, and they don't try to do that with Van Damme, whatever. Uh, Probably the more important thing, though, is that my one general impression of the game is that Ryu, and to an extent Ken, but Ryu is the protagonist. Like, if you're going to pick one who's the main character, he's the Mm -hmm. one, in the same way that with Mortal Kombat, they pick Liu Kang, Ryu's the one that should be the lead. And Ryu and Ken in this are kind of like, not a subplot, I mean, everyone's kind of equal, but they don't feel Mm -hmm. like the most important characters, right? Like, if anything, because Van Damme's playing Gale, he's the one that's the, the, the lead hero. I mean, the very fact that if you look at the poster of this movie, like, M. Bison kind of just blends into the background over the fact that Van Damme's face takes up the vast majority of it. And then all the other characters are like, yeah, I, I mean, if you squint, you can see them just kind of there. But no, it, this plays off Van Damme, I think, more than anything else. And as such, Guile, he may be a major character in the games. I'm not sure, but he's definitely the main character of the movie. Yeah. Uh, only just though because it's so spread out among so many characters that like even he doesn't get that much screen time relative mm-hmm. to the movie you know so yep yeah um zangief's pretty funny like that, uh, zangief's my my favorite i love zangief he has a couple of great zingers in this movie and it's all very innocent stuff where he's just kind of dumb he's a big lughead mm-hmm. 
and uh, we'll get to them spoilers what they actually are but that's all very delightful i mean if i can just point out out of every single character and how they try to like match the look of the game i think zangief is just spot on oh yeah like even when he's wearing clothes because obviously he's known for having the hairy chest but even the first time you see him in his outfit you're like oh that's zangief even i know that and i don't play street fighter (laughs) they just kind of like glaze over him at first they just do like a panning shot where he's standing there next to m bison i'm like i know who you're gonna be (laughs) yeah um yeah i i kind of enjoy the absurdity of it i enjoy that m bison's this ridiculous over-the-top like evil villain dictator i love Mm -hmm. that he's got like a pit for his hostages that opens and closes and it's just all very comical like you know fairly low budget 90s movie stuff but he kind of makes it work he's got a couple of good monologues it made me laugh i i guess i wonder do you think that's part of what this didn't land so well is that the fans were going in hoping that their thing would be taken seriously Mm. and then they come out with this sort of comical expression of it yeah maybe maybe they just didn't have the sense of humor (laughs) for it i I don't know It's, it's one of those weird things where i think these days, looking back at games in the 90s, I think there's a sort of acceptance that, you know, video games stories have gotten better and, they're you know, look, look at The Last of Us right now. It's getting a HBO adaptation that's been well yeah. respected and everyone's watching and it's great. But I mean, you say right now when this is coming out. Oh, yeah, it'll be over the time <laughs> this comes out. But right now, we're recording. We're six episodes in and it's delightful. But It is. The the thing with games in the 90s is that there was an element of cheese to just about all of them. And, I you know, I grew up on Resident Evil. I love Resident Evil. But the story's pretty mm-hmm. cheesy. There's a lot of bad dialogue. There's a lot of like goofy things in that. Um, and they turned it into a fantastic movie series. Shut up. No, they did not. They, they, <laughs> they went in the total wrong direction. It was awful. Um, now, I think when I look at something like Last of Us, like, and I want to capture the spirit of what the, the original thing was, and that has like, a very specific story to adapt, which does make it arguably slightly easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the question is, is that for people who play the games... Um, and given that the game at the time did not have much in the way of story, like, does this capture the essence of what it feels like in the game? Does this the, create the atmosphere? And I guess the critique right. would be, for me watching it, is that I wouldn't say the fighting's that, you know, is particularly good. It's just kind of fine. It's there. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with it is the fact that the third act, like we said, it stretches over half the movie, but we don't really get any fighting at all until that third act. Yeah. There's one point very early on in the movie where Ryu's about to fight Vega, and as they do the whole, like, round one fight, it gets interrupted. Yeah. And we're just kind of blue-balled for the rest of the movie. They, they cock-tease it, for sure. And Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Um... Because, because the video game is known for one thing, really, other than the colorful characters, and it's the fighting, right? Mm-hmm. And it has the best fighting, arguably, in, in gaming at the time and so the one thing that you should probably want out of the movie is like exciting memorable scenes of them fighting that work mm-hmm. in the context of being a movie uh what's so funny actually is that we just did the john wick movies right and yes. one of the things that i was thinking about i don't think i brought up when we were talking about those but i think the john wick franchise and i'm saying this because we haven't recorded the fourth one yet although that'll be out the review will be out by the time you, you see this um but time continuum <laughs> Time continuum. But one of the things that's interesting to me about John Wick in terms of structure, and because I've been talking about a lot with Last of Us, is how a lot of the encounters with enemies from the game are removed, right? Like you sort of limited down mm-hmm. just a few key examples because it's not a video game. You don't need to have a hundred encounters with the enemies. You don't have to have a hundred encounters with clickers yeah. and right. 
But John Wick's kind of the inverse of that, where John Wick has a very video game structure to its franchise in that, you know, so the first movie has, like, combat with, you know, regular dudes and he's doing his gun moves and all the rest of it. The mm-hmm. second game introduces some harder enemies that are as skilled as he is, but, you know, they also introduce, say... Uh, the example I'm thinking of, just based on the trailer from 4, is the third movie introduced armoured enemies, right? And right. there's a whole section at the end of John Wick 3 where he's fighting a bunch of guys in armour, and he basically starts having to look for like the weak spots in the armour, like the neck and stuff like that. And it's in a video mm-hmm. game, mechanically, you introduce a harder type of enemy that you have to do something new to beat, right? Yeah. And I noticed in the trailer for 4, it looks like he has he fights some more of these armoured dudes at some point. So it's the idea mm-hmm. that once you've introduced a new enemy type, they become a regular occurrence. And that's yeah. a very video game thing. That's a very video game progression way to do things. So, mm-hmm. bizarrely, I think John Wick captures the feeling of a video game really well, in a bizarre way. Yeah, I mean, I guess it really comes down to the intention of, do you want your video game movie to feel like a video game, or do you want it to feel like a cinematic experience for sure i i think it can do both though it can, like basically yeah. what i'm saying it needs to do is it needs to nail the thing that people feel from the game in the movie and mm-hmm. with last of us that's a combination of the excellent character drama and relationships mm-hmm. and the tension of the horror of the world that they're in and the, the creatures that they're kind of dodging right. and stuff right and the show does both those things very well and therefore it's mm-hmm. a good adaptation that works on its own all these things street fighter the colorful characters good fighting and i would argue the first one's kind of there yeah the fighting eh. (laughs) i I think this might just be a thing where the producers are like hey look what do people think of when they think of street fighter and they came down on the side of the character roster yeah they like all the different characters and they kind of just put the fighting off to the side because they're like oh well fighting's in a whole bunch of different games let's really focus on the characters and as such, you get all these characters, I think, are pretty well developed. You get a feel for why they are, where they are, and what they're doing. But they don't really do much of anything, save for just kind of get to the third act, and then all of a sudden it's punchy, shooty, stabby. Yeah, the action is just very generic and of its time. It's, you know, it's people shooting, It's even the fist fighting is very... There's a lot of... In- like the, the continuity between shots and a lot of the fighting is quite bothersome there's a lot of oh yeah there's a lot of like they're flipping from the wrong direction but somehow it kicks them that way there's a lot of like those inconsistencies in the, the flow of the combat and i guess mm. what i'm saying is is what you really want is you want the guys who made the raid to do your street fighter movie you want them to like give you like great i like, mean don't you just combat. want the guys who did the raid to do every action scene no i know i wouldn't say so but you know what i mean though like someone who like a a creative team that are good at specifically making the fights that are just fighting one-on-one feel Mm -hmm. exciting and feel like there's a a, a, you know stakes to it and that it's building to a climax right and you know this just feels kind of generic in the fighting terms and obviously van damme can do fight scenes he can but he comes from a time period where they weren't captured very well i would say Mm -hmm. and i think that's there they'd they definitely did a whole bunch of his, like, you know, spinning kicks and everything else he's famous. All his kicks are mostly yeah. what he does here. And he is he is made out to be, like, the big action hero, but it doesn't really take a focus on him doing the stunts. It just focuses on, you see him swing his leg, cut to, his leg connects. Yeah. Uh, so. There was one move that he did that was he sort of spun around on his back on the ground a bit, and I just sort of went, I bet that's a move that Gale does in the game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's way absolutely. too specific to just be like a thing they did in the movie. 
I was waiting for there to be a scene where one of the characters gets backed into a corner and then they just start low kicking constantly. Just like, because <laughs> that's the only thing I know from Street Fighter. Actually, that's the other thing that fans are probably pissed about. There was no, uh, what do you call it? There's the, the, the thing, the, the, the fireball thing. But there was. Was there? There was. I don't want to spoil it, but there was. Okay, maybe there technically was, but... Fuck it. R- Ryu should have been hitting those out left and right. I mean, all right, I'm just going to skip ahead like 30 seconds if you want it, because I'm just going to say it. Uh, during the fight with Vega at the very end, there's a point where he does like that move and he doesn't connect with Vega at all, but Vega goes flying backwards. So there is no fireball, oh, okay, okay. but no... there is like an energy blast. Ah, but it's invisible. You don't see a thing. But he does a sound effect at the same time, though. <laughs> Mm, I don't know if I count that. That's just a bit, bit sketchy. I, I was, Fair enough. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, as far as anything else spoiler-free goes... Um, the only things that really stuck out to me was the soundtrack of this movie is pretty much the most underwhelming soundtrack I could imagine which for, is like, pro- a 90s which is, action. Which is probably why the Mortal Kombat movie was more successful, because it had that techno theme song that yeah. everyone get into. I mean, I still have that bouncing around in my head every once in a while, so yeah, it succeeded. <laughs> I mean, the only Street Fighter theme that I could think of is Guile's theme, which is the da 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 But I don't think it was ever featured in this movie. It just really did focus nah. on the pop What's so stuff, funny so. is that the games from Mortal Kombat avoided using that music for, like, decades because they didn't want to, like, that's the movie's theme. Oh, yeah. And they eventually gave in, like, I want to say like maybe 2010 or something like that. The event, okay, fine. That's that's just like everyone just says that's the Mortal Kombat theme. You just you have to live with it. It is. <laughs> that's just marketing 101. If there's something that everyone associates with your brand, own it. Yeah. So I uh, look at the uh, the director of this just before we we move on to Athens. Yeah, he was a busy boy. He was busy. He wasn't really known for directing though. So his direction credits, um basically or he did a couple of tv episodes of things but street fighter was really his only thing but mm-hmm. he has got a pretty prolific writing career uh, yes it would be said because he he wrote die hard for example mm-hmm. obviously that was based on a book but he did write the screenplay die hard that's the, yep. yeah he wrote die hard die hard 2 uh judge dread he wrote the screenplay for and beverly hills cop 3 are the biggest ones i'm popping out which with. are not all winners no to be fair but <laughs> I mean, I actually kind of enjoyed the Judge Dredd movie. But you know, I'm I'm in a I'm in a cheesy minority <laughs> on that one. Uh, he also wrote the '94 Flintstones movie, so oh, there's wow. your other side of that. Okay, okay. Oh, story and screenplay for Commando. Okay, this guy's an action legend. That, that's... Oh, I miss Commando. I don't see it. Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, yep. yeah, I did. Get, get... Running Man screenplay. Oh, Matt, this guy's prolific. Yep. It went downhill a bit towards the end, but he's got See, some but bangers. What, but with all that stuff under his belt, because, I mean, a lot of those were before he did Street Fighter. Yes, uh, yes. Judge Dredd was the only one afterwards. I can see why they brought him on and said, like, yeah, you can, you know how to do an action that, movie. Yeah, but that said, though, he wrote those things. He did not direct any of those things. True, which, which is I, where it may have fallen down. Yeah, which I, I think you can maybe get a sense of that. It, it does feel like a movie that was probably cobbled together a bit in the editing process, because there's a lot of quick cuts, there's a lot of... I will say trivia that I saw, uh, basically they were consistently behind schedule the entire time they were filming, mm. and... 
whenever the producers came up to him and said like hey what are you gonna do he did the whole show thing of like tearing out a page from the script and being like there we're back on track <laughs> genius yep uh, but then he got to the end and he's like oh we have to do a lot in post guys <laughs> uh, what he should have done is went through the script and like marked the pages that were expendable so that he could do that mm-hmm. but it wasn't like as on the on the cut you know it wasn't as like a sort of on the uh spur of the moment thing as it seemed to be i mean i will also say that a lot of the reason they fell behind was because john claude van damme during this uh point in his life had a apparently ten thousand dollars worth of cocaine a week problem <laughs> so he wasn't exactly the easiest to deal with okay okay so we can't blame the, the director for the delays no. as much that okay not really okay um did you think it was i thought it was a little bit interesting that they had kelly minogue uh, as cami right and they had like mm-hmm. so the idea is that this villain is so bad that they've got like a united nation style like force that all are all from different countries so they've all got their yep. flags on their shoulder which by the way gail has got an american flag on his yeah sure <laughs> he sounds american oh yeah absolutely but, uh yeah, Cammy has a, a British flag on her soldier, and I'm sure the character's British, but Kelly Minogue is, yeah. is definitely not. She's uh, Australian. Yeah, uh, apparently the producers just really wanted some Australian representation, and he, the director, saw Kylie on the front of a magazine and said, her. And that's about it. That's all that happened. But why not just give her an Australian flag? Or is that just because it's against the game's... Cammy's British, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Because it's not like she's trying to do a British accent in this. No. I mean, it's it's like 50-50. I think some lines come off as like, okay, that's British. But then someone's like, oh, you you were just saying good day, weren't you? <laughs> good day, mate. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Americana, Gail. Uh, oh, yeah. Is, uh... There's no one more American than whatever Jean-Claude Van Damme is. <laughs> yes. Jean-Claude, the American. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hey, if you were ever in doubt, as we see, he is the American flag tattooed onto his bicep. Doesn't get more a red, white, and blue-blooded than that. Uh, yes. Hey, technically France is the same colors. Exactly my point. <laughs> uh, so is the UK. There's a lot of red, white, and blue. Uh, yeah. In the world, isn't there? It's common. Um okay oh, oh man i love the idea of like other countries starting to like say it like that but with their colors you know like germany yeah with the, you know you know britain the good old red white and blue <laughs> uh dear so so uh the only thing i did want to bring up uh for anyone who's familiar with the game is they included all characters who were available in the game up to this point except for one whose name is Fay Long, and he is essentially just Bruce Lee. That was, I mean, to be honest, though, that might have been like, you know what, he's so close to Bruce Lee that that might be a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the family of Bruce Lee may not be happy that there's someone who looks like Bruce Lee. In them. I mean, entirely possibly not, but he also has consistently showed up in the video games. So maybe they wouldn't like the fact he was on the big screen, but he's still in the games. True, true. But there was some fuss about uh, the Bruce Lee you know, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a couple of years ago. Oh, that's right, yeah, there, was, yeah. there was some fuss about it, so maybe there are, I mean, maybe you get away with it when it's a video game character versus, especially at this time when they weren't that lifelike yet. I mean, maybe now yeah. it's a different deal where it's like, oh, wait, these look very, you know, 
Like you can tell what what actor's face it is in a video game ba now. Basically, it comes down to whether or not you're at the legal point where you need to pay for licensing for the face. Yeah. So, it's the sort of thing where I, I don't know if that character's been maybe phased out over time, perhaps because of this, or. Uh, he was at least in five. Okay, fair enough. Never mind then. <laughs> I was just theorizing, but uh, there you go. Yep. Maybe they just said we already have sixteen characters. One more is too yeah. many. <laughs> we genuinely cannot squeeze another character in here with his own motivations, and that is one thing I do want to give the movie credit for: is that by the end of the movie, everyone is doing things for their own reasons. Like, everyone is there. It's Yes, you have good guys and bad guys, but by the time you hit the last point in the movie, it establishes, like, no, everyone is fighting their own fight. Maybe they end up against other characters, but it is developed to the point where each character is more three-dimensional than, you know, I'm working with the bad guys because I'm bad. It's they have their reasons to do so and would likely even change sides if it came down to they need to do something else to change to follow that goal mm. this is this is somewhat true i will say though that because it's so many characters all of this fundamentally comes down to each character gets one scene maybe two that sets up like what those oh, motivations yeah. are so none of them are that well developed it's like you know it's just just a, just a little bit for each character so that they all have their thing but right I guess I'm more so like because obviously in the game you can pick whichever character you want and that would be your character. That's the one that is fighting the good fight, quote unquote. Mm. And I like it how by the time you hit the end of the movie, it makes it so that all of the characters can fight their own good fight, doing the things that they want to do to forward their plots. It isn't just I'm on the bad guy's side, so I have to fight the good guys. I'm very impressed at how positive uh, you are on Street Fighter. Just wait until I get into the Christo fascist sort of imagery that goes on with Bison's flying scene, but regardless. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, let's just say spoilers then for Street Fighter. We'll get through this thing. Um, yes. So uh, the movie starts with a lot of news reports and things like that. they sort of setting up mm. the world and the, the dictatorship. Bison's trying to take over. He's, he's kidnapped, like... I don't know, 20 people, and he's asking for $20 billion from everyone? He's kidnapped 63 hostages. That did not look like 63 in that pair. It was not, but he says 63. He does kill a few of them, though, admittedly. He he asks a few of the soldiers mm -hmm. who are from the same team as Gail. He's like, hey, can you fight me, soldier? Here's your chance. Oh, no, snapped your neck, lol. Uh, next one. <laughs> snapped your neck, lol. Can I, can I just throw out there, uh, I know it comes from the game. Mm-hmm. But I have never heard a dumber sounding country name than Shadaloo. <laughs> There's a lot of made up like places and things like that in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's just like I get that like they're doing this whole thing of like, ah, oh, the dictator is moving in and he's going to be demanding this thing within the next seventy two hours. Oh, where is he from? Shadaloo. <laughs> So, and it establishes that Gail is the head of this military force. Uh, mm -hmm. Chun Lee's a news reporter who's like sort of filling us in and all this. Uh, yep. She tries to ask Gail for a, a quote or an interview, and he grabs the mic and starts just talking about how much he hates Bison and how he's coming for him. And mm -hmm. the first sort of cardinal sin this movie has is that Bison is like, hey, overtake their systems, right? And he like starts broadcasting from his, his, his evil lair. Yeah. Um, 
And for some reason, Gail standing there with a mic where he was like talking to the camera can both hear and see Bison and talks to him like he's on a Skype call. I love this scene so much because I'm like, you know what? I really love how Bison, he has the airwaves. He's able to spread his message, but he decides to give it, give the mic back to Guile so that he can respond <laughs> in a back and forth. It's a very thoughtful dictator. Well, as we know from later, he, he respects him enough that he wants to fight him in a one-on-one scenario. Yeah. He wants to fight a, a worthy opponent for him, you know? A, a, yeah. A warrior of the class of Bison. Uh, um, just two other characters that were around. Uh, Balrog and Honda act as the cameraman and, like, tech guy for Chun-Li. Yeah, they're fairly minor. They've got a couple of moments later, but, like, for the most part, they're just mm-hmm. with her. Uh, yep. So, yeah, we interest all that. And we're introduced then to Ryu and Ken, who are hustlers, who are, as it turns out, they're going to like the seedy part of the city to sell uh, Sagat, who's the eyepatch dude, uh, mm-hmm. weapons, because he's like a gun runner. Uh, yep. But they're actually screwing him because they're actually selling him uh, like tennis ball guns. Yeah, tennis ball launchers. So they're not very happy. And it just so happens that he's got like a, an illegal fighting ring and he's like a den... So he's like, hey, because you pissed me off and you try to sell me bad guns, I'm going to make you fight uh, Vega, who's the clawed, you know, masked man. And just mm-hmm. as Ryu is about to fight him and maybe prove that he is, you know, a worthy fighter, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme interrupts the scene with a giant tank and says, you're under arrest. Which I feel like, I, you know, you see the crowd of the scene and everyone's just like, okay, I'm putting my hands up. There'd be at least one person who runs, but everyone is just like, okay, military says I'm under arrest. There is a couple of comically large missiles on the side of this tank. Oh my god, it's hilarious. It's uh, it's it's a little bit wild. I the the movie never really gets into the fact that this military force, when they're occupying the city looking for bison, is that they're very dictatorship themselves. They've got like a seven p.m. curfew, and they say anyone found will be shot on sight. Right, <laughs> like that's pretty villainous movie. I don't know if I can get behind these characters. All all of those torn out pages were all just the deeply political commentary <laughs> of good guy versus bad guy. Uh, so uh, they all end up in prison together, uh, which is like right mm-hmm. next to the base where the Van Dam's talking to his troops. Because when he's talking to like his other generals and stuff, and he's like, "Okay, what's our plan? What do we do?" Uh, mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. He gets the idea. Some random assassin pops out. Oh, I forgot about this, right? There's like a random assassin who's like pretending to be the chef or something, uh, jumps out onto the table and makes a play for Van Damme and he just kicks him and that's it. Yeah, and he doesn't even break his conversation. He's like, all right, so other ideas? (laughs) And they get the idea because they see Ken and Ryu fighting with everyone down the prison because they're all, they're being targeted because Sagan Mm -hmm. doesn't like them. Uh, Van Damme's like, hey, he doesn't trust friends, but maybe we'll give him some new enemies to trust. He's like, bring me those two men. We're going to concoct a plan. And he shows them, like, how bad this city is and all the suffering and dying. And, like, you're going to help. Uh, and you're going to get away over my dead body. Uh, heavily indicating that he's going to, like, pretend to be killed so that uh, Sagat will trust them. Uh, right. So we get that scene. We get this prison break. Now, somewhere in here, I just have this quote listed. I'm sure it came from Van Damme. Uh, I'm the repo man and you're out of business. <laughs> yes yes he definitely said that uh i can't even remember the context like it was so standout honestly, in the moment i wrote it but then there were so many other one-liners it just 
bled together. Yeah, he's he's got uh like because when he's showing like Ken and Ryu like all the sick and dying and stuff, and like what's this a guilt trip? And Van Damme hits by with consider it a a wake up call, gentlemen. You know he's he's, he's <laughs> he has a lot of like. He can't deliver a line without it sounding like it's supposed to be a one-liner. Like, they all sound right. like they're one-liners. So, I just based off what you said there, I do want to bring up one more little point, and that is Ryu. It's pronounced Ryu. Mm. Like, in all the games, in everything, and just normal Japanese, it's pronounced Ryu. But apparently, the actor who played Ken just could not say Ryu. <laughs> like, for whatever reason, he could not wrap his lips around it. So he's like, I'm just going to call you Ryu. And because he's the one who's talking to Ryu for most of the movie, that's the only time the name is ever really said. So it just sticks out as Ryu. I don't think I've heard his name said that much. So because I've mostly heard it from him, that's probably why I'm saying mm-hmm. Ryu, because it's just what yep. I've heard. Uh, it's only said two other times, once by Guile and once by M. Bison, and they both say Ryu. In- uh, interesting i'm sure yep. all the fans of street fighter were listening to us say his name earlier and be like damn you say it it's properly. all it's all the people who are a fan of avatar the last airbender and heard ong instead of ang and it's like, <laughs> oh, God. all over again oh uh, i love the idea of like i'll promise to say ryu properly but then i start mispronouncing ken as like <laughs> keen so m bison <laughs> bison He's French now. Bisson. Yeah. Bisson. <laughs> uh, no, nah, like, so... And obviously, as this is all going on, like, Bison's got his own thing where he's, mm-hmm. um... He's, you know, he's got an evil... He's, well, the scientist isn't evil. He's forcing a scientist to, like, do experiments on Charlie, the the, the guy who's kidnapped Blanca. that happens to be, uh, uh Gail's friend. Yeah, the guy who's going to yeah. become Blanca. Yeah. Uh, so... And to be fair, Blanca's just his last name, so... Which, yeah, fair, fair. But you know, yeah. if you if you look up what Blanca looks like from the games, though, he's kind of like green with this orange hair. He's yeah. he's got a bit of a wild look to him. Uh, the scientist is also Dalsim, who is the Indian fighter in the game. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yep, did not even realize that. But I guess it makes some sense. The gang's all here. Everyone who has a name is a character in the game, except for strangely enough, uh, someone in the army is given a name, and it is Sawada. Mm-hmm. And he shows up a few times throughout. Not a character. And oh, is that the one that had the, uh, the Native American like headband on? No, that was T-Hawk. Sawada okay. was a random uh, Japanese man who stood up a few times and was just like... Oh, he talk- yeah, he talks to people a few times. Yeah, I remember Yeah, And he was not a character in the uh, original game, but he was a character in the movie adaptation. So- that does it count. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so basically this whole plan right they do this prison break and mm. they intentionally have ken shoot gale and it looks like he dies and it turns out to just be swebs or whatever later but yeah. uh when this is happening um chun lee and our tv crew are like watching this and she sneaks up and does a roll and she puts like a tracker with like a mic into the side of this truck that's escaping right and then they look at their signal and like, wait a minute, there's something interfering with this. It's like there's another signal coming from the same truck. Obviously, Gail and Co. have already bugged the truck because this was a plan in the first place. So we get... <laughs> I just, in fairness, the truck that they are hijacking is an Allied Nations truck. Yes. Like, it might just have a tracker by default. In 1993, I don't know. 
a television reporter's microphone has a tracker in it. In this movie, sure. Oh, okay, but in 1993, we can't accept that the army is bugging their own trucks. Sorry, 94, not 93. Um, I don't I, know. Like, I expect that now. I don't know if I'd expect it when this was made. But like, I feel like it. if they're assuming that the this tiny little thing can be tracked i'm going to say that the i love how much you're focused on this when there's something way more ridiculous to complain about in like 30 seconds absolutely it's crazy right there's something way more ridiculous to to sink your teeth into and you're really obsessed with this detail i i didn't even think this was going to be a thing so chun lee decides to put on her black gear because she's going to go and sneak into the army base to Uh find out what this like, signal origin is because they've traced where the signal's going and she does all the ninja stuff she sneaks in the window and she's creeping about the building and she goes down to for some reason what looks like the sort of the morgue area and there's like mm-hmm. a, a, a computer or whatever like accepting the signal it's like this is the signal and the whole time as she's looking at this i can't help but notice that there is a you know a, a table with a body with a sheet over it and i'm like well, given, I mean, the movie's not revealed it yet, but it's set up quite heavily that, you know, this was all a plan, so Gail's not really dead. Right. And she lifts up the sheet, and Gail's lying there, and I'm like, why is he lying there like this, pretending to be dead? What was the purpose of this? Was he waiting for her? Did he expect her to come in? Because that's a bit of a bold prediction. Okay. Here's my theory. And this is this <laughs> is theory. this is taking a few things here. So why did they have the tracking computer down in the morgue that's that's like that's a great first question great first question and i'm going to combine both those questions and say that guile was sitting there at the tracking computer he heard chun lee coming in and got under the blanket so but why, is there, to be why is there even a blanket though sitting next to this table <laughs> he gets cold it's the morgue i don't know what do you want from me <laughs> but he he, pre- he pretends to be dead for a couple seconds and then sits up like michael myers and like gives her a fright and yeah. i'm like what was this why were you lying there like that it's weird honestly he, he I, even, I don't he sets up and pulls off the, the bit of cardboard with the scribs on it and i'm like mm-hmm. why did you still have that on you would take that off like as soon as you got behind doors i don't <laughs> i don't understand the whole guile's dead plot anyway because obviously it was used to convince um Sagat, Sagat, who was on the truck, that he was dead. And then M. Bison also falls victim to it because he sees Chun-Li's report on it. But then, like, Guile gives his full army-rousing speech saying, let's go storm the base later on. Yeah, he's hardly hiding that after this, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's only hidden right up until this scene that we're talking about. And then he's just like, hey, troops, I'm actually alive. And I guess nobody reports that to the larger media. Well, Chan Lee's busy doing all the things at this point, so no one's there to actually. If she's the only reporter there, <laughs> I will eat my shoe. Actually, there is a, there's a nice little moment here, actually. See when she reports that uh, Gail's dead, uh, mm. just before this bit, and Bison sees it, and it's the uh, the, the actor, the other actor who I recognize, actually, uh, who plays DJ here. Oh, yeah. Um, he sort of, because uh, he, he was in like Friday the 13th, like part five, I want to say, something like that. But anyway, uh, very notable, role. very notable. But he he says something. Hey, that's good news or something like that to Bison. And Bison goes, on the contrary, um, I wish to do meet him in battle. I thought DJ's reaction to that where he's like, OK, like it's like he's always looking for the right thing to say to please his like, you know, overlord 
but yeah. he's like, I can never win. I can never win. Like, every time I think I'm saying what he wants to hear, he's like, no, the opposite. I'm sad. DJ is 100% the straight man on Bison's side. Like, everyone else is over-the-top crazy, and he's just like, all right, um, I'm getting paid, right? <laughs> uh, more on that later. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, he's also in Return of the Living Dead. I knew he was in a couple of horror things that okay. I've seen. Fair enough. Uh, but, yeah. So, the next part of the movie is that all these guys uh, that were freed are meeting up with Bison and all his guys at a tent where Bison's, like, putting on a show. He's got, like, dancers and shit. I think he literally call it, like, a warlord party. <laughs> like, he just invites a bunch of world leaders that are warlords and just gives them a party. In fact, while we're on the Bison stuff, I think it's before this scene as well, where... He gets mad at one point that they call him like a, a dictator or a fascist. On it's the, that same scene where he's yeah. mourning Guile. Uh, and he gives a speech about, why do they keep calling me a dictator? All I want to do is bring everyone together and then they can all bow to me. <laughs> I, think his, I think his literal speech, he goes off on a thing. He's just like, all I want to do is make a super soldier that will murder on sight. And then <laughs> use them to raise an army against the world. If, I don't understand. Why am I a warlord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ends with like, saying he wants them to bow towards him. And then Zangief goes, oh, that was beautiful. He thinks it's great. Um, I love, that was the first time Zangief got the laugh out of me. Yeah, yeah. Because like the, the first, first time he was spoken. Yeah. And I just immediately knew, I'm like, I'm going to like this character. If I, even at the start of this scene, I got a chuckle at a bison because... He's looking at the plans for his like new super base. And he's like, make the food court a big, a bit larger. All, all the big franchises are going to want to be in here. <laughs> yeah. Which, to be fair, I do like. I mean, Raul Julia. He very easily could have played this in like, you know, just show up, collect a paycheck, doing whatever. Especially because he was battling with illness at the time. But he like put the thought into it. He made Bison a fully formed character. Oh, here. he. He gives it his all. Like, he gives yeah. this movie way more of his energy than he, like, was deserved. Never mind the fact that he was sick while he was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, like, one of my favorite other gags with Bison here uh, is coming up, which is Sagat's brought him a lot of weapons, and he's like, okay, I'm going to pay you then. But what about <laughs> if instead of money, when I, like, take this country, I give you part of it, and you can have land, basically, instead? He's like, nah, right. I mean, we'll see what it's like when it's, you know, if there's a country left after you're done killing everyone, but I'll take the money for now. And Bison presents him with Bison Bucks. It's a case full of money oh, with his God. face on it. And Sagat's like, what the hell is this shit? And obviously Bison's thinking, well, once I take over, this will be valid currency. This will be legal tender. And he yeah. even points out, each one of these Bison Bucks is worth five British pounds, because that's the value they'll give it when I kidnap the Queen. <laughs> Oh, God. I I love it because this is the first scene where I'm like, Bison has 100% drank his own Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. Like, he is all in on himself. It isn't a thing of like, oh, well, hopefully I win. Like, no, he is determined that he is going to win. Yeah, I, I think this is the thing I want to make clear about this movie. It's not a good movie. It's too messy with too many characters, and a lot of the heroes are a bit flat. Mm. But anytime Bison, and to an extent Zangief are on screen, I'm having a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm having Absolutely. a good time. Uh, so, this is all happening. Uh, Ken and Ryu, like, end up, like, running into it, because Chun Li's there pretending to be a dancer, and uh-huh. they all kind of interact. And they, when they get held at gunpoint by everyone, when the fight's about to break out over this money, <laughs> um, they mm-hmm. basically say, hey, there's spies here. Like, that Chun Li's a reporter, and, like, her two dudes there. And that wins them favor with everyone else. 
which leads mm. to the funniest line in the whole movie yep because the camera guy for chun li has put some explosives onto a truck and chun li's on the tv saying hey you know we're going to kill you for everything you've done to everyone and the truck starts coming towards uh, the tent that they're all in with barrels of it like you know gasoline or whatever it is in the back and they're all staring they realize it's coming towards them and zangief yells out quick change the channel that is a funny line that is beautiful that is amazing so i think the only thing i would improve in that scene is they really hold on that beat afterwards where ken ryu and uh dj are all just looking at him like are you you serious (laughs) i would probably cut that shorter to just be you know revel in the absurdity of it nobody else is really reacting to Mm. it but overall the line delivery itself just chef's kiss yeah perfect uh so they get away bison takes everyone back to his place and says you're Mm. honored guest for like saving us uh, to Ken and Ryu and Chun Li, in that you're all arrested, send the two guys out of the, the tortured chambers. Uh, yep. But Chun Li, put her in my quarters. I'm going to grant her a private interview. Uh, which, well, I guess we'll just talk about that scene now because it just kind of falls on from this. Uh, yeah. Like, so, you know, they've done her up with the, the hair from the game and given her a dress, obviously for mm. his pleasure, right? So he's obviously been a perv. And what I love yep. is, is she's giving this monologue as to why she's been hunting bison. She's like, you know, talking about how bison, when he was younger, came to her father's village. Uh, yep. Her father, like, fought his forces away, but bison still killed him. And it was this, like, horrible, traumatic thing from her past. And the entire mm-hmm. time, Bison's gradually like getting into his dressing robe. He lowers the lights. He's putting some sexy music on. That doesn't happen till later, but yeah, yeah. He, you know, he makes her a drink. You know, with a mixer and stuff. Like he, he's mm-hmm. seduce. He's trying to seduce her the entire time. He's he's doing all this stuff. Yeah, uh, but he's got a great response though. Where he's like, I don't remember any of this. And she's like, You don't remember? What? How? how you don't remember? And he's like, Well, I understand that the day that you know M Bison graced your village it was the most important day for your life but for me it was tuesday best villain line i was excellent it's it's so perfect of the sort of just megalomaniacal villain he is we're like yeah no i'm sure i did terrible things to you but like i do terrible things to everyone yeah you're 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 not even like a memory you're a foot you're not even a footnote you're you know just one in a line of things yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, Honestly, I I I kind of hate that that line's in this movie because it just feels wasted here. Yeah, you know? yeah. It belongs in a better movie. But you know, I, I do appreciate that this builds up to like him saying, "Oh, I don't think you're a threat because you've never actually been in a fight. You've no, you know, you've if you've got skills, yeah. you've not shown them off." And she's like, "Yeah, exactly. I didn't want you to know what was coming." And then she like launches an attack. And it's notable mm-hmm. that every single person we've seen try to fight Bison up until this point in the movie just immediately gets grabbed and killed. Where she's mm-hmm. actually winning. She's actually kicking the shit out of him. Oh, yeah. And it's only because she gets distracted by the others jumping in to try and help her that Bison gets to his safe room and then, like, knocks them all out with gas in the room and he starts laughing yeah. like a maniac. So in the interim between those scenes, we had um, Ken and Ryu. They're, they're shown the quarters by Zangief. Mm-hmm. He, like, walks them through them. He gives them their traditional outfits and says, here you go, you're training with us now well Joe was weird about it though he says now you look like uh bison uh like officers and i was expecting them to be dressed like him but then it's like no you're in the red and the white you know karate yeah the geese yeah so they go out trying to find chun li's guys meanwhile chun li's guys were being tortured and honda 
being a sumo wrestler is just able to like take it like he he doesn't even feel the torture yeah shrugs it off so nothing and so they manage to break out of their chains they almost attack ken and ryu but as they're choking him out they say hey we can help you escape more or less and then that's when they all find chun li so and now they're all taken captive now because they've all been exposed to try to come after bison uh, yep. So they're all just kind of held in like the main area of the of this evil lair, and this is sort of when it starts to sort of build up the other the, stuff happening with Gail. Yeah, and this everything. is where we go to the Giles plot. So he does this again. This is where this is where Act Three begins, and we are forty minutes in to this movie. It's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, this is um. So the guy that shows so there's a guy from the government shows up to say that they're going to negotiate with Bison and that they're, they're calling off all military operations and obviously Gail says piss off. That actor mm-hmm. I recognize because he's been in other things that the, okay. the government did. Uh, but this is uh, his famous speech, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gail's speech, for two reasons. One, it's the I'm going to you know go up that river and kick Bison's ass, right? You've got that yeah. line, but you've also got the uh, the repeating motif of you know we're going to give up liberty and freedom, but we can all go home. We can give up the passion and everything we've been fighting for, but we can all go home. So who's going to go home? And who's going to come with me? And everyone, you know, cheers. It's like, yeah! Uh, and they just all go, and the government guy's standing there with his, with his like, folder, like, eh, no! Like, we've, we've ordered against us. Which, like, I understand in the, in the thing of the movie, I 100% understand that that is the right moral choice. But if I were to wake up that morning and see the headline of Colonel Guile leads insurrection against yeah. Allied Nation, I'd be like, um... <laughs> it definitely glosses over the implications of what this type of action would cause yeah. in the system, yes. The... Guile is going to be put in a prison for the rest of his life. Yes. Uh, he, has, he has a fancy stealth boat that completely camouflages to the point of invisibility. Yes. He has that... Oh, real quick, before we leave that scene, uh, the speech, fantastic, but the line I wrote down was the dude from the Allied Nations saying, have you lost your mind? And he goes, no, you've lost your balls. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, do you know what? He has a lot of lines like that, where he'll take what someone says and then do, oh, do yeah, a, a silly flip on it, yeah. He's got, he's yeah. got a bunch of those. Uh, so there's a whole scene that's very and it's like year before this came out but it reminded me a lot of Batman Forever where he's in the stealth boat coming towards the island I wasn't thinking of that but yeah. it is exactly the same scene yeah yeah and like Bison's like setting off all the like okay. defenses did you notice how Bison was setting off the defenses go on he he was literally using the arcade cabinet buttons oh of course it yeah, was yeah, the yeah, six yeah. button setup and the yeah, joystick yeah. And then as he manages to eventually blow up Guile's boat with Cammy and T-Hawk in it, he, he just slaps down the thing and he goes, game over! And yeah. I'm like, all right. And they yep, all survive because just... they all eject and stuff, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we get like a weird thing where Guile's going under, like, underground into ruins to get under mm-hmm. Bison's base, and that's when he ends up running into uh, to Blanca and almost mm-hmm. kills him to put him out of his misery. One thing I do want to point out... Um, the movie was originally submitted to the MPAA, and it got an R rating. And Cap, just because of over-the-top violence and whatnot, and Capcom came back saying, that is unacceptable. It needs to be PG-13. So they toned it down a bit, but then when they resubmitted it, it got a G rating. <laughs> and they were like, no teenager is going to see a G rating. So they're sitting there trying to figure out how do they fix this. And all they do is in this one scene when he's going down to the ruins, they have Jean-Claude Van Damme say shit. And that's how they get the PG-13. 
that's so annoying it takes more effort to try and like gauge like what they have to put back in but that's annoying because mm-hmm. yeah yeah like i would love to see the r-rated cut of this just to oh yeah just just to see like how much more bloody it is and whatnot uh maybe that even accounts for why some of the fights feel choppy editing wise just because they're, they're maybe, it yeah. down. yeah I, I could see it i don't know you've got a dictator who's like threatening like all sorts of things in this movie i feel i feel like g-rating still feels a bit too soft it is but he's so cartoony about it I like suppose, he yeah. He may as well just be Shredder up there, being like, yeah, okay, whatever, get those turtles. Shredder's got more menace to him, though, I'd say. I'd say cartoon Shredder. Okay, cartoon Shredder, sure. Uh, and, of course, I'm comparing to the 1990 movie. Let's not talk about the super mech suit <laughs> Shredder of 2014. <laughs> so, It'll never go away, Pete. It's just there waiting for you. No, nah, I'm not happy about it. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, the scientist jumps out, though, and stops Gail from shooting Blanca, which he's going to do mm-hmm. out of, like, an act of mercy to end his life. Uh, and the reason why Blanca's not evil is because the scientist was supposed to be conditioning him with nothing but, like, war and, like, violence in his mind mm-hmm. with, like, you know, like, almost Clockwork Orange-style goggles where he's, like, making him watch all this stuff. But instead, yeah. he was sneaking in, like, happy family memories and shit uh, so that he'd still have kindness in him. Which, like... I understand 100% of how they're brainwashing him, but I feel like that works better from a point of like, oh, he is completely a blank slate, and then they start pouring like hate into him. In this case, I feel like if they just stopped the normal brainwashing, he would have still had his normal morals, at least partially there. You would think. I don't know. Is it, and it, <laughs> the other part is the fact that somehow they have a metric for how brainwashed someone is. Where they have a little loading bar that yeah. says, like, oh, he was only 50% brainwashed hey. when you interrupted him. Loading bars were things in video games, so you gotta get it in. I get, yeah, they, that's the other thing. His, this entire base is run off of Windows 95, and it <laughs> shows. Oh, dear. Uh, there's, um, there's a lot of, like, dating stuff like that. Like, when they're talking about their plan for the like to attack the base and stuff... There's like a mm-hmm. sort of wireframe schematic of like the the boat he's going to use, and it's very you know it's like oh the green lines of like 1994. When when Giles running in b- the boat to the thing, he pulls out a Betamax tape from his jacket and watches <laughs> an old clip of him and Blanca. He uses that later as a communicator as well to talk to. Uh, That's true. Kelly Minogue, yeah. Uh, so basically. Uh, they ran out of time on the hostages at yeah. this point bison's upset they've not paid him because he's like hey mm. check my account have i got 20 billion and it comes up zero and i'm like you had zero bison uh fair enough they don't it was with the american dollar sign it wasn't bison true, bucks true, sign. True, true. so he's like fine let's uh put let's put our new monster super soldier blanket into the the pit with all the hostages and mm. so just as, as the luck would have it that pods like down where Van Damme is and the doctor's like, hey, he's expecting his creation in there. So we get this big moment where the pod comes up, the doors open, and Jean-Claude Van Damme fly kicks so far that he's battling physics as he flies over these spikes that are in this pit uh, to kick Bison in the chest. I love how later on in the movie we'll get to a point where Bison has to justify why he's able to fly around, but I don't think he ever goes a distance as far as this flying kick. <laughs> Oh, it's like so. They, yeah, this fight starts. They're they're, they're fighting each other. Uh, Chun Li and Core all mm-hmm. told to like help get the hostages out. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Zangief ends up fighting uh, the sumo guy, you know. Honda, yeah. They even do a joke at one point where they see it in a TV screen and they've added in Godzilla sound effects because they're they're fighting over the model of like uh Bison's like new base, so they keep yep. destroying like miniature buildings. I I I don't know. I felt like that was the one joke that just felt like a bridge too far, which seems strange when you really talk about it. But the fact that they had the Japanese guy watching the surveillance footage of Honda and Zangief. I would have been cool with that. But then with the Godzilla noises over top, I'm like, that feels like the, a joke that just got out of hand in the editing room. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, hey, let's add this in too. He, he, he. And they somehow got the rights to do it. So they're like, yeah, we're keeping it. <laughs> like, we're not, oh, yeah, we're, not, we're not losing it. Um, so all this is going on. There's a, like a whole thing here where uh, Ryu wants to be good and help the hostages and stuff. Ken's like scared and just wants to run away, maybe steal something in the way. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there's a face turn when he sees that Ryu's in trouble and he's going to have to fight both Vega and Sagat on his own. So he shows up to help him. So they have their Which, fight. With that plot, did you ever feel like Ryu learn something that ken didn't throughout this movie no i think he was just already kind of the slightly good guy to begin with because it felt like they were always pretty much on the same page and then all of a sudden ken's like nah let's get out of here this place sucks and ryu's like i have noble honor yeah i'm going back in there they they kind of at least pretend that they've done an arc with ken because ken says that line to sagat after he beats him he's like you know i'm glad Mm -hmm. i met you because otherwise i might have become you and I don't think the movie's earned that line because there's like very little in it no. to like, g- give you that kind of character arc of like he's learned to be a better person. But um, it does lead to some great stuff though because DJ is like running away and he goes to the safe and steals all the money that's in the safe and right. Sagat like sort of like catches him on the way out and one of the, the the final joke with them and you can see it coming but they open this mm. big trunk full of money to find that it's nothing but bison bucks and it's all meaningless ah <laughs> uh, their greed got the better of them yeah but that's Beautiful not morals. that's not gloss over though my other favorite zangief scene which is oh my god right yeah so so dj's running out with his with his box of money and zangief mm-hmm. runs into him and zangief's like you know saying whatever uh like what they're doing they keep coming after bison he's like why are you running we must fight yes. for bison and he's like dude bison's an evil dictator he's awful he's like bison's a bad guy and he's like really shocked and then he's like wait if you knew he was a bad guy why were you working for him and dj goes because he paid me a fortune as a as a pause and then zangief goes you were paid <laughs> i that, i do you know what there that, is absolutely nothing wrong with zangief in this movie well that's the thing see those two lines shouldn't be that funny they should be too far but this guy the actor bless him his delivery of these lines made them funny yeah he was great throughout like every time he came on screen i didn't have to think like oh what's what are we doing now i was just fully trusting that that character as written and acted was everything i wanted he should have just had a bit more to do just a bit more sprinkled throughout would have been nice but you know that's what it is Mm -hmm. uh so all this is going on around them but the main fight of course is van damme and bison Uh, yeah and there's this whole thing where basically both van damme and bison I like how we're mixing up the character name and the actor name for Van Damme. Uh, Guile and Bison basically tell their respective armies, like, leave us alone. This is going to be a one-on-one fight here in the main control room. And I think this is like the closest it actually ever gets to actual Street Fighter because they're both on a catwalk. So it is like a two-dimensional fighting space. And they just 
start throwing punches and kicks back at it's each other. It's definitely the closest. Like... It's just not. It's just not done very well. Is it? At no. one po- at one point, there's like a like a has like platform that kind of like hangs, which mm-hmm. reminded me of the Super Mario Brothers movie because the the ending of that's got like a, a platform that's kind of like that. Coming in two weeks. Coming in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and like Van Damme, this is one of the moments that stuck out in my head of like just the the trajectory of one shot did not lead into the other one. Oh yeah, where like Van Damme's hanging underneath it and he sort of like picks himself up to like sort of do a flip and kick him, but it doesn't make sense that he kicks him from that direction. It just I don't know, it just doesn't work. It seemed like he came up from the middle of the platform yeah. to kick Bison in the face. Yeah, because Bison gets kicked out of the the thing rather than kicked back into it from the edge. Right, just, I don't know, it, it was weird, but. I actually was surprised because I, I thought, wait, this is ending kind of early because, you know, Van Damme kicks him into like, the computer system and he starts getting electrocuted mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, he's won. But well, yep. there's like almost 20 minutes left. Like, what the hell? Where's the rest of this? Yeah. Turns out Bison, his computer system realizes that he's technically dead and his suit starts administering CPR. You see like his suit going up and down. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, anytime I have the very emotional reaction when I'm writing my notes, I make sure to put a big old, like, exclamation point next to it, just course, so I'm aware. Yeah. At no point in this movie was I doing any exclamation points. Like, I I was pretty okay with everything. This was the first moment where I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this was obviously the, the dumbest leap. Uh, and then, of course, because he flies around, I think, in the video game, they give this mm-hmm. justification where he's, he's using the same... Uh, tech that bullet trains use to like hover yeah. so although i'm pretty sure they can't like go up further and like because he actually just flies around with this yeah but he he does a whole thing where he's like don't you understand it's electromagnetic it's the same thing that allows bullet trains it's the same thing that powers my platform it lets me fly and then he just starts <laughs> floating up off the ground and it's like okay he, I actually love this as a character turn, though, because this is where he goes full on like, you're right, I'm not a warlord. I'm a god. And he just leans all the way into that, I, I and it also, feels I, so good. Oh, I make it clear, Dave is not like, adding that on. He literally has the line, I am a god. He does say yeah. that. He does say it's, that. It's, and I was only like halfway joking about the whole Christian fascism thing, but like it genuinely happens here. He also, uh, because I skipped over earlier, but see when like uh, Gail's coming on the boat and they see it's Gail in the boat and someone says, wait, he's not dead? Uh, he has this great turn, of, like dramatic turn where he goes, of course! <laughs> Perfect. I mean, I've been aware of that for years. That's probably the most thing I knew it's about a clip, this movie yeah, that, it, of course. It's a clip that's used a lot on the internet, yeah. Um, yeah but it is really good. Um, mm-hmm. So we have to mention it, but, uh, but... I did, I I never actually saw the follow-up where he, he's, the person who says it is Sagat, who's obviously wearing the eye patch. So he says, of course, and then he just kind of like taunts and be like, oh, you didn't see that coming? <laughs> he really overdoes it as well when he says it. Yeah. Uh, so the fight here basically just ends the same way it did before where Van Damme kicks him into a, just a bigger set of screens where he electrocutes mm-hmm. again, and that wins him the fight. Uh, and then the secret base all blows up. I was going to say, he kicks him in the screens, and then instead of just another electrocution, literally everything explodes. Well, I think there's also a self-destruct thing that uh, uh, DJ Oh, I'm sure there is, as well. that timer was still counting down from 10 yeah. by the time that he kicked him into the screens. So. so everyone's outside, the thing's exploding, they're worried that Gail was still in, but he you know, obviously does the thing where he pops up a few seconds later and everyone's happy. And mm-hmm. then, for some reason they all decide to pose for the title uh, screen that pops up at the end. 
Don't you pose when you're happy that the job well done? Well, it'd be one thing if they all just like raised their hands or whatever, but Kelly Minogue literally spins around to do the sort of the ass out first pose. I mean, if you're looking for the reason, it's literally the promotional image of the video game. They perfectly. Oh, I know, I know. I, I get what yeah. they're doing. I'm just saying that it doesn't come naturally. Oh no! I mean, I I particularly got caught up on uh, Honda because he's just off to the left, and like everyone else is at least doing a thing of like, huh. And meanwhile, he's in full fighting pose. He's like ready to grapple someone. I just just give me the context of like there's like a photographer saying, "Hey, I'm taking a photo for the news," and then at least then it's like, okay, they've got a reason to pose. But they just hear like a like a, a sort of mini explosion or something. They all just decide to pose. A- Every time we're done recording, I say job well done, and I go, yeah! He does do that. It's very annoying. Actually, a lot yeah. disturbing in the places. Mm-hmm. I hold it for as long as I can, but sometimes I get tired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Now, here's a question. Did you get to the post credit scene? I did not. There's a post credit scene? There's a post credit scene. Oh, no. Oh, at, no. What's at this? The, at, at the very end of the credits... Uh, you hear the computer, which has been speaking the entire time throughout the movie. Uh, you hear the computer. It starts booting back up based off of solar batteries. And then it says, like, all right, reviving project. And then all of a sudden, M. Bison's hand busts out through the rugged or the uh, rubble. And the cuts over to a computer screen where he opens up a program for world domination. And he clicks the replay button. And that's it. I did not know that existed. Um, I, it's funny that this has a post-credit scene because uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993, which again, we're doing in a couple of weeks, um, mm-hmm. that also has a post-credit scene that I only discovered for the first time like a couple of years ago. Like, Because I, oh. I, I, I grew up seeing that movie, so I was like mm-hmm. shocked to find that there's like a joke post-credit scene at the very end of the credits. So keep that in mind when you watch that. And, uh... Oh yeah, I always check for post-credit scenes. Marvel has conditioned me <laughs> after a decade of it. Yeah, um... Honestly, this movie's obviously not good, right? But I will say, yeah. it is far more watchable than a lot of other bad movies are. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So... I mean, I, I can't think of anything in this movie that outwardly made me angry or upset. And again, maybe that's coming from a point of, I don't know that much about Street Fighter. Maybe if I was more familiar with the series itself, I'd be like, how dare you make Blanca the same as Charlie? You bastards, but I don't. So it's it's generally a pretty innocent go at it. I don't think that it went in with ill intentions of, no, let's just make as much money as we can. They genuinely tried to make the fans happy with it. Yeah, I... It's the sort of thing where, like, it's not good, but there's definitely some charm to it. There's some funny moments. There, there's things to kind of enjoy. I, I think... Mm-hmm. Something that I'm really noticing with a lot of these 90s movies that were kind of derided at the time, these video game adaptations and and stuff, you know, this Mortal Kombat, uh, Super Mario Brothers, and not all of them, but I think a lot of the big examples that were known is that we've gotten so much more bland like adaptations of things in the last yeah. decade that suddenly these feel like they at least have some life in them. They're not good, and they kind of get a lot of the, maybe the key elements wrong from the source material, or they don't, you know, make a compelling story or whatever. But mm. I look at this compared to, say, I don't know, uh, like, I mean, I never saw, like, Prince of Persia or or Need for Speed or... I saw Prince of Persia. You weren't missing much. Yeah. 
Like, it just looks like a really dull movie, or the Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. movie looked like a dull-ass time. Uh, this, at the very least, looks like it's got some color and it's got some, you know, energy in it. Yeah, it, it feels like it's before they figured out the formula of, oh, here's just how we're going to plug and play these characters, and mm. yeah, we'll change whatever minor details need to be changed. But for the most part, it all follows the same sort of beat for beat. Like... You're not, I I mean, obviously it kind of wore out its welcome in the 80s and 90s, but I don't think you're really going to see any more of the whole maniacal world dominating dictator anymore. It's always going to be a much more sort of nuanced character. You're never going to have another Raul Julia playing M. Bison on screen again. Which is a shame because uh, he is delightful in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Obviously Van Damme's stunt casting, he hasn't really... He's not really right for the part, but... He's as American as we could possibly find. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know who you cast as him, but the guy... Well, I mean, that's the thing, is that they're, they had a budget. A lot of the budget went towards casting those first two names... Probably, yeah. ...of Van Damme and Julia, and then everyone else is pretty much either a little-known or an unknown actor. Yeah, Kelly Minogue obviously was a big for saying later on, but she wasn't like a huge star at the time. Right. Uh, you know, she I think she did like a soap in Australia maybe yep. before this, and that was kind of her big thing. So Yeah. Um Yeah, the fighting could be better. That's maybe the biggest critique you could give it. Which I think is a big critique for Street Fighter. Yeah, it's literally in the title. And it's yeah. kinda of underwhelming in that front. Also there were like maybe two streets. <laughs> you could pump up that number a little bit. That's fair. Um, here's a question. So for anyone watching this, uh, the bonus episode mm. on Patreon and for YouTube members uh, this month, which yes. will be going up very soon after this has went out publicly, uh, is the director video 2010 movie, I want to say. Uh, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. I think it's 2009, but yes. Sure, yeah, 2009. Uh, so... Uh, just, a, just a question to post to you, and the answer, of course, will be in the bonus episode for those of you who want to mm. go and support all the content and get the bonus. Uh, but do you think that that will be better or worse than this? I think that movie is post-formula. I think okay. that movie is going to be probably a better made movie, but it's going to be a lot more bland. We shall see. Starring Kristen Crook from Smallville. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more bland. <laughs> also, I think Chris Klein from American Pie is in it. He's not very good either. Uh, I'm looking. Yep, Chris Klein. Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, okay. He, he's good. He's all right. Okay, okay. We'll see when we get there. All right. Uh, so that's something we're doing uh, as the bonus episode. Because uh, every month on patreon.com slash TV, you get access to a bonus episode at the $3 tier, and then you get e- e- extra reels, the other Collector's Cup bonus show, at the $5 tier. Uh, which is where we do look so bad it's good movies, hopefully. <laughs> Not been let down yet. Uh, I just it felt natural to do the plug uh, there because I was, uh, I, was oh, I was yeah. talking about it. Uh, but we do have to rate Street Fighter uh, before we, we wrap up properly. So, Whew. Okay. So I thought about this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I, like I said at the very beginning, when I came into this, I saw the 4 out of 10 on IMDb. And after everything I saw... I I can't justify going down as low as a four. It feels too harsh. It feels 
like it it earnestly was trying to do something here yes there are some technical faults to it but it's a borderline sci-fi movie in the 90s i'm just gonna let it have its weird electricity whatever <laughs> it wants to do there um so all in all i think i gotta give this one all the way up to i'm gonna say six whoa i think it's a six out of six ten out of i think ten. it's I think that a five would just be like a perfectly blah movie. Like it's not great, not bad. It's just straight down the middle. This one kept me entertained. It never did anything that I was outwardly just angry at, upset with. And Zangief and Raul Julia stole the show acting wise to the point where it kept me fully engaged with those characters. So I think that's worth at least an extra point for them. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Um, I think six is a bit too high. I think six is you're you're that's into fair. like good movie territory at that point, and I don't think it is a good movie. Although I do think it's an entertaining one. Um, mm-hmm. I am going to go with a five out of ten. And well, I see why you would say that implies bland and straight down the middle. I don't necessarily think it does because I think it can be a mix of better than five and a mix of worse than five. Yeah, and you you had end up with something that's kind of a weird concoction in the middle, which is what I think this is. I think this has very undercooked story elements and characters uh, mm. it's very messy because there's too many characters it's got a weird structure there's like a lot of like just straight up problems and then the fighting's not very good but it does right. have kind of a charm it has some funny lines it has a couple of great uh characters that are entertaining to watch particularly bison by julia mm-hmm. um so uh, because of that like i, I do think it, and, and, I, and i do like van damme well enough like i enjoy van damme's like uh yeah. Ivra. <laughs> and this is not his best <laughs> showing but it, it does crack me up like his speech is, is good fun yeah. so uh for what it is like yeah i mean i'll i'll, I'll throw it a five i, I think it kind of works out kind of in the middle uh so so now in the question of let's say that you were making a collection of video game <laughs> movies would that street fighter vhs be making the cut here's the thing I think the the weird context of this is that I would say to anyone, you should not collect video game movies. I think that's a bad <laughs> idea in general. That's fair. Uh, so, um, I, I I would say that the highest I'd be willing to let you go is maybe cutting it close. Cutting it close. Okay. But I certainly wouldn't say it makes the cut. And if you said to me, uh, it doesn't make, you know, what's, what's under cutting it close? uh just cut from the collection just cut from the collection um like it's probably realistically more in that realm but there's enough mm. silly things to like that if, if you want to argue for cutting it close i will i will concede it i will i would say cutting it close i think that it is obviously not for everybody clearly a four out of ten on imdb reflects that and a rot tomato score far lower I, than I, that i wonder if there's going to be a lot of street fighter fans who are upset oh us. yeah they're gonna be like how dare you this 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 Listen, is I don't care if you main Ryu, do whatever you want. Um, but the, uh, I think that there is enough to it where if you come into it just expecting a sort of cheesy 90s action film, and even if you are going for just video game movies, I think this one is of the better half of that. So yeah, I'll agree with cutting it close, but it's one of those ones where you got to make your own determination based off what you want. Yeah. This is in the upper echelon of video game adaptations until Last of Us, though, which is a sad statement to make. Like, yeah, you know that that, that well, was the the standard next, which we were doing. Next with. week we're doing the new Super Mario Brothers movie. That's true. 
So maybe that'll be Last of Us territory. <laughs> I couldn't uh, even with a straight face. <laughs> no, but it may be a fun animated movie. Like, who knows? True. Uh, True. So, although a little behind the, the scenes here is that we'll have recorded all of the other episodes for this month before we get to that new release. So when yes. we come back and do the, the old Mario Brothers movie and whatever the video game vote winner was for the fourth option, um, we won't know what we think of that movie yet. I'm just going to play both sides. Every time I mention it, I'm going to be like, it was great awful. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but that is uh, that is uh, our thoughts on the Street Fighter movie from 1994. Yep. Um, of course, I already mentioned Patreon uh, and what you get in the YouTube membership. So uh, please do support us in all the ways you can. Uh, you can do it for free, of course, as well, by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications. All those things help us out a lot. As does, of course, mm-hmm. rating the podcast on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, all of it does help. I'll also thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess and Deplacius, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. So thank you very much uh, for your support. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, that's all my plugs, I think, done. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, recent bonuses, you know, we did... Uh, Last Extra Reels was Dangerous Men. That was a yes. <laughs> that was a, That was an epic time um yeah uh, i mentioned i mentioned in the middle of that review that uh the l- previous extra reels we did i broke some little capillaries in my smile lines from laughing so much mm-hmm. it happened again of course you did during the dangerous men one so of course you did uh and you know it's all back catalog of bonus episodes now as well uh yep. you know you can get um peppermint from the john wick season we did the bonus episode on peppermint Oh boy. Uh, we did uh, the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie for Turtle Season. Yeah. Uh, we did another. We did the sequel to the Poseidon Adventure for the seventies disaster season, and uh, yeah. for Dirty Harry, we did another Eastwood movie called The Gauntlet. So there's a whole little back catalog farming. I expect you to be able to list off all the bonus episodes, even when we're like three years in. I've got a list that I can listed. pull up. You know, I, I can just I can <laughs> cheat. It's fine. Um, but uh, and of course there's like over 40 bonus episodes of the ace and over 30 bonus episodes of screams so you know, there's a lot of extra content should you like it but i'm sorry i won't be there for that so no no which is why they're probably more popular uh in general so thank you very much for joining us everyone this has been the collector's cut we will see you for more video game adaptation nonsense next week keep watching movies and you know <laughs> um, there's so much to, to pick from quote-wise in this movie. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, you getting this review is one of the most important days of your life. But for me, it was Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>